Jesus, once again, we come to you in prayer and acknowledge that we need you. We need you to help us understand what you would have us do and how you would have us live. Lord, we read your scripture, and sometimes it's confusing, but we know you don't want us to be confused. You want us to have a clear understanding of your word and your meaning. So would you open our hearts and minds now and help us to hear what you would say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, we look at the book of Acts and our series of Acts in Action. I want to share with you how I start each morning, or at least I try to remember to start each morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let me rejoice and be glad in it. Now, this is my eyes barely opened, certainly haven't had coffee yet daily prayer. And I find that it helps me set a tone for the day so that I can be more aware of what's going on around me as well as God's presence in daily life. My worldview, even from bed, has a different look and feel when I start out. This is a day the Lord has made. Rejoice. And as I heard that this morning in my mind, I thought, I wonder if that was what it was like for the lame man who had been brought to the gate beautiful every single day of his life because he was lame since birth. Every day he depended upon his friends to carry him and place him there and then to take him home. Every day he had to ask for money so that he could rely on the generosity of others for his survival for one more day. Like any other day, people are going in and out of the temple, and he sees these two men approaching, and he asks for money. It's Peter and John. And they look at him, stop, are aware of what's going on. They've been going to the temple every day, so they've seen him before. But this time they stop and they say, look at us. And right away, the lame man gives them his attention. Peter reaches out, gives his hand, and that says, walk in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And the next thing we read, we find that the man is walking and jumping up and leaping and praising God. What do you think about that? That's not the kind of thing we hear all the time, but that's our scripture for today. He's excited. Now his life is different. He asks for money, and instead of money, he gets freedom and he gets independence. Can you imagine what that was like for him? Acts the book of Acts is one of my favorite in the New Testament. It has everything that I like when I read. Supernatural intervention, astounding miracles, powerful preaching, life and death decisions, action, mystery, adventure. I want to invite you to invest some time in this book. 
Because if you do, it's going to grab your attention. It's going to tug at your emotions. It's a great read. And most of all, it's true. As you read, and I want to encourage you during this series that we're doing on Acts, to read the book of Acts, cover to cover, not just a little piece of it each time we're going to be preaching on a certain section. Pay attention to what you read. And I think that you will notice it talks about the core of our faith. God is always present and always at work in the lives of individuals. You will see over and over again crowds gather because they want to hear more about Jesus and what Jesus has done. But when you look at the stories, you find individuals one-on-one being touched by God. Even though Acts is often called the history of the early church, I think it could also be titled the miracle of changed lives. Perhaps it should have a warning label that says something like, this book contains vivid stories of transformed lives and the difference that these lives are going to be making in the world. Belief is contagious. Overdosing is encouraged. So go ahead, read the book. See what you think. The apostles that it talks about in this book are the very ones who just not too long before were hidden in fear and shame. The ones who had abandoned Jesus. And now they're boldly preaching Jesus. The mighty acts of God. They have complete conviction about what they're saying. And they're doing it at great personal risk. No more hiding. What a change. What a transformation. We might even want to call that a miracle. These men seem the least likely candidates to be proclaiming the gospel. Yet this is exactly what has happened. They have been transformed from cowardly to courageous, argumentative to very articulate, and from selfish and inward focus to selfless. Now they are out proclaiming what the Lord has done. What an impact they made on their generation. What an impact they have made on each of us here today. Acts is their story. And the changed men and women who changed the world. Today, it's like we get to read a page from the journal of Peter and John. A snapshot of what their lives look like now. How they think and how they act. Peter and John's healing of the lame man led to a series of opportunities to point to Jesus. Always they pointed to Jesus. Each recorded powerful event has become a teachable moment for Peter. The power, the privilege, the responsibility that has now been given to Jesus' followers. The power, the privilege, the responsibility given Peter left no room for misinterpretation. The miracle was not his personal power or godliness, but performed by God for a specific purpose. Today, as we study more of Acts, I think we get a glimpse of what life can be like for us, who, like the disciples, have been given power, privilege, and responsibility. Now, when I say those words, 
let alone feel them inside, I think they're a little overwhelming. Actually, I find them a lot overwhelming. I know my shortcomings and how unlikely it would be for me to respond the way Peter and John have done. And maybe you think it's difficult for you as well. And I would like to share with you just briefly an aid for living a holy, sinless life. I bet you didn't know you were going to find that out today by coming to church. Growing up, I was always told the goal is to be sinless. Not just better, but you must be sinless. So a friend, knowing me from when I grew up, sent me something that is guaranteed treatment for washing away sin. And it's appropriately called Wash Away Your Sin Towelette. And here it is, just so you know that I wouldn't be lying to you. Let's see what it says. Reliable, heavenly scented, kills sins on contact. Right your wrongs with one wipe. Devoutly wipe it away. Spot check for stubborn guilt. Wipe again as needed. Discard sins in the trash and then go forth purified and moisturized. I'll be taking orders at the door when you leave in case you think this might be helpful. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. We look at John and Peter and the disciples and we can see what it takes to be the people that God wants us to be, to be transformed into those people. And even though it's not as easy as wiping with a towel, I think we can handle God's invitation. Jesus entrusted the kingdom of God on earth to the disciples. Ordinary people, very ordinary. Not special, not superhuman, but flesh and blood, imperfect men and women who now are tasked to do the extraordinary, the special, the amazing in the name of Jesus. Now, I find that comforting, don't you? Because the fact is true for us as well. We are also imperfect, ordinary men and women, yet trusted by Jesus to inherit the first century church in the 21st century and to do amazing, special, extraordinary actions. What a job description. Hired and supervised by Jesus. <laughs> this is what we inherited. The lame walk, the blind see, the demon possessed are set free, and death loses its sting. And hearing that and seeing that, we're told the crowds grow. Everyone wants to see what comes next. What do you think? We go and into a long line of people who have been faithful. And this is the task that they've been given. To experience the special, the fullness of what God desires for us, we have to watch, be alert, sometimes wait, pay attention to what is in front of us, and remember, as Peter and John did, that God is always present. In this story, they are going to the temple, an everyday occurrence, leading their daily lives as always. The difference, I think it's that they see the world through the eyes of Jesus. They had experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. They had received the commission to preach the good news, and they were living a miracle lifestyle. 
That's the phrase I want us to carry away from here today. We are living a miracle lifestyle. We can be watching, tuned in, waiting for the unexpected, knowing that God is the conduit of all these special, amazing activities. Now, do you think Peter and John were expecting that they were going to go to the temple and do a miracle that day? I don't think so. But when the time came, they were prepared. How might that kind of lifestyle look for us if we want to be a miracle lifestyle way of living? We are the privilege of having a glimpse into a family that I'm going to say lives a miracle lifestyle. The Vanderbrinks, they are people in this church. They are a family who have been transformed and are transforming others. Let's watch. So we're at the Vandenbrinks, and I'm Brett, and this is Valerie, and Emily, and Molly. And there's a couple more that have already flown the nest, and we've been attending Bell Press for about three years. After my brother Luke went to college, me and Molly thought that our house was a little bit empty, and we thought it'd be fun to do something like foster care. We asked my mom about it, and she started looking into it, and she found safe families, which seemed to be a good fit for us. There's a lot of families that don't have a safety net. So when something urgent comes up, they don't have anyone to care for the children. Safe Families is an organization that allows families that have the capacity to help to get involved and care for the children in those circumstances. And it turns out that it's a real blessing to the families that get to care for those little ones also. So we've done a variety of hostings with Safe Families. Our first experience was hosting two little girls three and a half and six months when they moved in with us. Um, it was a big life change for us, as you can imagine. Um, you forget how much work they can be, but it was a total joy to have them for a little over five and a half months while their mom was learning some new life skills and learning how to be a better mom and to make good choices so her girls could live back with her. As Christians, we're called to help our neighbors and this is a great way to express love for others. God's given us this opportunity to love these kids and be able to impact their lives. It's hard a lot of the times because you can't necessarily fix their problems and you can't make all the hardships they go through necessarily go away. You can just be there to love on them. One of my fears was that I wasn't gonna be able to give these kids back because I would be so in love. Um, it's hard, it's hard to give them back, especially when you don't necessarily feel um, like they're going back to the ideal situation. And, and something that God's really changed in my heart is that I'm not in control of that. And he has a plan for these kids' lives and um, we just get to be a part of it. involved in this ministry and, and serving the kids that God has placed into our home has just been a real tangible way for us to live out our faith, um, not only personally, but together as a family, where we all have to give up ourselves and we all have to meet the needs of someone else's when it's maybe not the most convenient for ourselves. 
and it's just been a real um, growing experience that has stretched our faith and has brought us together as a family. often amazed at how something like that just seems to capture what God's message is for us. Now you might watch that and think that's wonderful, that's not my setting, that's not where my gifts would be, and I don't think everybody would be doing something like that, but that's what God, the miracle God is working through them. They had a setting there, a love for reaching out to these children that needed that safety net, and that's what they're doing. I call that a miracle. They are bringing a miracle of healing into the lives of those children that I think is going to go generation to generation to generation. What they needed within the family to do that miracle, God provided for them. Their lives as a family was transformed. They transformed the lives of those children, gave them hope, a future, gave them love, gave them life. In God's economy, that's the way it works. We get involved, the transformation we bring to someone else, and we get transformed also. We bless and we get blessed. I wonder if in your mind you're wondering, hmm, what might God be wanting to do through me? If we believe that Jesus is Lord of everything, our everyday lives, if we believe Jesus desired to be Lord of all, our joys and our laughter, and cares about our sorrows and tears, if this is true, and I really believe it is, then we are surrounded by the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit all the time. In this time, when you go from this place, no matter where you go, God is there. That's what the people were responding to with Peter and John. Peter and John and the disciples helped them experience God's living and loving presence all the time with them. I believe, I believe because I have experienced God's love breaking in in areas of my own life. I have seen it over and over in the communities of faith where I have pastored, in the stories that have been shared, and I believe the biblical accounts. I believe that what is true in the first century church is true today for us. God has placed the Vandenbrinks where they are, and they looked and saw where healing was needed. God has placed you where you are so that you might see people, see the places where healing might be needed in your family, your neighborhood, office, soccer team perhaps, classroom, golf club, political group, playground, local coffee shop, maybe right here where you always sit every Sunday some volunteer activity, you name it, God has placed you there and can use you right in that place. With Peter and John, they were going about their everyday activities when this opportunity came to be a channel of God's healing love. Expect God to break into your life that way. See Jesus in the eyes of the people that you talk with, that you interact with. 
no matter who they are or where they are. It's what Peter and John did. As they said to the layman, look at us. And he did. Who knows what the connection was that took place at that time. But it was important enough to be recorded for us to see. Look at us. Don't we all know when somebody's not quite tracking with us, they don't look us in the eye, and we can feel discounted. But when somebody looks you in the eye, things change. There's a connection. I think we see Jesus when we look in each other's eyes. I think that's what happens with the Vandenbrinks as they look at those children's eyes. I wonder today whose eyes Jesus wants you to look into and see healing that's needed. Living a miracle lifestyle. It's all about transformation. It's becoming the people that God wants us to be. And how do we discover that? I find I discover it most through the voices of other people. You know, preparing a sermon is a challenge. The stress level is really high. And my daughter, when she knew I was scurrying around, texts me these comforting words. Mom, you rock. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Last week at the new members class, Jesse Rice introduced me as the ninja pastor dressed in classy Presbyterian clothes. <laughs> A rocking ninja pastor. <laughs> now, I don't know if I can live up to all that, but I do know that it was encouraging to me to have them respond that way, to see myself as they maybe see me. But I also know that I am forgiven, I am redeemed, I am beloved, I am precious in God's sight, and so are you. And that's a strong Jesus foundation for all of us to build a life upon, to do the things that Jesus wants us to do. So let me ask you, are you wondering about today's sermon focus, living a miracle lifestyle? Does it sound uncomfortable, scary, or maybe you feel overwhelmed and aren't convinced that you could pull any of that off. If you can relate to any of these hesitations and maybe bring up a few of your own, don't despair. What God desires for us to do, God will give us the resources that we need to respond faithfully. That's God's promise, and we can trust God. If you want help to discern that, to be the transformed person that God wants you to be, come to a prayer minister after the service and receive prayer. Or talk to one of the pastors so that we can walk with you through this discernment process of seeing what God would have you do. Follow the sermon series. Each week, Acts in Action will help you discover God's vision for your life of faith. We each are part of God's redemptive, transforming plan for the world. Look at Peter and John. For just a moment, feel the wonder of the turn of events that changed them forever and changed us as well. For if we would not be here today, had the events, Jesus' life and death and resurrection, not taken place. Think about that. Think about that reality. Jesus is present and active always. And it's for everyone, for you and for your children and for everyone who is far away. Once again, that's the promise of God's word. Pray. Ask God to transform you into the kind of person God created you to be. Lord Jesus, that is our prayer. 
you know us so well. You gave us life. You see what's in our hearts and our minds, and you love us completely. And yet, Lord, loving us and accepting us, you don't leave us as you found us. We have so much more that we can be transformed into so that we can truly take the responsibility and the privilege of being the conduits of God's healing love. Lord, may that happen today. Bring people into our lives. And we will say thank you as we serve in Jesus' name. Amen.